Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist and the host of this podcast, From Crisis to Connection. This is a podcast about relationships, the relationships with others, of course, but also the relationship with ourselves and the relationship with our higher power. I believe we experience our deepest joys when we're in harmony with these relationships. But when we lose that connection to ourselves and others through our own unhealthy behaviors like addictions, infidelity, secrecy, abuse, and so on, or we lose it by being betrayed by someone else's choices, it throws us into crisis. Getting out of crisis and living in connection isn't always straightforward or easy, but it is possible. And that's why every week I bring you incredible guests who share their life experiences and expertise to help you move from crisis to connection. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. A couple of months ago, I received an email from a woman named Emmy Bass, who said that she wanted me to come speak at her club at Brigham Young University. And the name of the club is the Unalone Club. I had never heard of the Unalone Club. Of course, I haven't been to BYU since the mid-90s, and so it uh, was totally unfamiliar to me. But I agreed to come speak to them because they wanted me to talk about my book, Love You, Hate the Porn. And I learned that this club is a brand new club on campus that she had formed to offer support and resources to those who are struggling with pornography and also those who love them and are trying to offer support. So of course, I was totally willing to come help and support and be a part of this. And it was fantastic. We had a great discussion over Zoom and there was a lot of engagement and it was just a great experience. And after that, I reached back out to Emmy and asked if she would jump on my podcast. One, because I want you guys to meet her. I think she's a fantastic person and has a great perspective and energy about this issue. And I think it's important to share uh, what she's learned and, and what she's done, but also just to, to maybe give an illustration or an example of what one person can do when they care. So many people that struggle with pornography, so many people that struggle with other things like depression or other mental health issues feel so isolated and alone, believing that they're the only ones that are dealing with this. And Emmy's inclusive attitude and willingness to reach out and create a community is already helping and supporting dozens and dozens of people. And she's just getting started. And I was so inspired by this that I wanted to have an interview with her and talk with her about the origins of the club and what she's personally learned from it and what she hopes to do with it in the future. And I think that you all will be inspired by it. I certainly was. Let me tell you a little bit about Emmy. She sent me some information on her. She's a senior at BYU. She's studying classical civilization and she's from Tennessee. And she told me that she rock climbs way too much. And she spent the last year working to follow some inspiration that resulted in the Unalone Club. And she describes it as a group where those working to overcome pornography and those that support them can come for shame, free connection and helpful resources. So here's my interview with Emmy Bass. Well, Emmy, thanks for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Of course. Happy to be here. 
So you are the founder, president, and chief everything of the BYU Unalone Club, <laughs> and I would love to hear the backstory on this club. Tell us how it got started. Yeah. So yeah. So the BYU Unalone Club, we are a resource for people pretty much from the end of high school to the end of college to help people that are working to overcome a problem with pornography and those that are supporting them. We kind of I can, you know, fill you in more as we go on, but we, we kind of got started because I found myself in a supporting position to someone I was dating and I really had no idea what to do. And I feel like I reacted pretty well when he first told me and he was, he was a great guy. I just, I didn't realize how much pornography would affect him, but would affect me oh, and yeah. um, our relationship. And I, yeah. And so I, I think that I Googled like how to help a spouse that struggles with pornography or something. I read the first three pages of Google and they gave me nothing. You know, you either had to pay all this money for a course or like it was written by some like, you know, like backwards minister who just had a vendetta and was angry about, you know, people <laughs> that struggle with pornography. And I felt that, you know, I felt that, I don't know, pornography is not something that I've learned that it's not something that people sat down when they were 18 and said, you know, I want to feel horrible every day of my life. I think I'll start a porn addiction. Like that's absolutely not how it works. Seriously. And so these people are being villainized when in reality, like, you know, these are, these are some of the most amazing people I've ever met. And to read articles that are trying to help, but paint them in such a negative light, I feel like is just absolutely incorrect. And so I wanted to start a place on campus where BYU students could come for help without having to you know, if they were antsy about talking to a therapist, we didn't have to go that route right away. If they were antsy about talking to, you know, their ecclesiastical leaders, because it is Brigham Young University, then they didn't have to go that route right away. I wanted to start just like a, a dipping your toes in spot for this club and and for the people that we would serve. So I think, yeah, that's kind of been what we've become. And I'm, yeah, every time I log on to one of our Zoom meetings, I'm just like floored by just how amazing the the students are that come and participate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, the reason we're talking is because you reached out to me several weeks ago and asked mm -hmm. me to, to join and be a guest speaker on one of your one of your Zoom calls. And I was just so curious about this club. I love the title, first of all. And then I and I just wasn't sure exactly what it was. And as I as I spent time with you talking about it prior to the Zoom call and then, you know, being a part of it and kind of seeing everybody, I really got the sense that it's sort of the, like you said, it's this in-between place of. It's not like a 12-step meeting where there's, you know, a bunch of sharing and a bunch of, you know, kind of structure. It's clearly not therapy or a therapeutic group. And it's not, mm -hmm. like you said, it's not some meeting with your church leader where you have to confess anything or kind of work through the struggle. It's just a place to come and listen and belong and learn and just sort of show up, right? Even anonymously. Yeah, we, we make a really big point to focus on like, you don't need to turn your camera on if you're not comfortable with it. You don't even need to use a real name. The Zoom ID that we use has an option to use an alias. And it's been really neat. Our first meeting we had like iPhone, iPhone, Han Solo, guest user, you know, yeah. but gradually as the semester's gone on, because we, we've only been meeting for a semester and we've already, it's already been amazing, but we have had people who have started using their real name or have turned their cameras on. And it's so neat because it, it really does. It's a very in-between kind of space where we just, you know, we all sometimes message people and say, hey, you know, would you feel comfortable if, you know, if I asked you to share, if I like personally know them and their story or a lot of the time people, we can, we have a way where they can submit questions anonymously mm -hmm. to our speakers. And so that's been really successful. 
But the goal is we just want these people to have access to good information and, and validation because it's a really, I don't know, it's a really, it's a really tricky and a really misunderstood struggle. So I think yeah. there's a lot of power that comes when you're in a Zoom call with, you know, between four and 30 kids that are in your same exact boat, married, single, dating, or whatever, and kind of be able to feel that solidarity and then not be pressured to like be perfect. Cause we, we really make a big deal about like, there is no standard of worthiness for attending this club. Like if you messed up three months ago, come join our club. Like if you messed up last week, come join our club. If you watched porn like 30 minutes before logging on, then like come join our club. You know, it's not our job to help these people heal. It's just our job to connect them with resources and connect them with their savior. Cause we've learned that that's the most effective way to help. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love that invitation just to, just to show up and be a part of something because isolation, I mean, that's obviously like built into the title of this club, the unalone club, but yeah, isolation, mm-hmm. isolation is, is so damaging. And it's the first thing people do when they feel ashamed is they, they just isolate and disconnect. And so, you know, you've totally created a place where they don't even need to explain why they're there or tell anything or have a reason. They just, they just can show up and gather. Mm-hmm. We kind of, at first we started, we just said, like, if you want to ask advice, you know, it's, it's totally okay to just be like, oh, my friend, you know, whether it's your husband or your yeah. girlfriend or your sister or you that struggles with pornography, like it can just be your friend. But it's been really amazing to me, the openness that we've actually kind of found. Because we have club members who, after a couple of weeks of attending, they're comfortable sharing their stories. And it's been super neat. And I feel like just a really strengthening experience for everyone there when someone who like has struggled with pornography since they were eight or 10, you know, opens up and says, hey, I'm in a hole right now. Or, hey, yeah. I'm on my longest clean streak ever. It is really encouraging for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you've got you've got men and women who struggle with pornography in this group. It's not just it's not split gendered, right? It's it's I mean it's not just for one yeah. guys or girls, right? It's it's for both. Yeah, cuz we our world tends to see pornography as a very male issue. Yeah. But like I mean, I'm I'm studying classical history, you know, like I I just I'm just a research junkie when it comes to to like helping people overcome pornography just because of the effect that it's had on my life and but yeah, like it's really in the last 30 years, like they're targeting women and it's taken off as far as women that struggle with pornography because it, it works differently in a woman's brain than in a man's brain. And so to kind of advertise and say, hey, if your husband or your boyfriend or your brother struggles with pornography, like that's absolutely incorrect because some of our most like, to me, some of our most inspirational members who've been willing to share their stories have been women that struggle with pornography. And they like they tend to really feel like they're the only ones. And so it's even more isolating. Like this problem is already super isolating, just gets worse. And so I don't want anyone to feel that way. And so, yeah, we have men that are supporting their girlfriends or their sisters or their wives that struggle with pornography. We have women that struggle with pornography with men that struggle with pornography and then women that are supporting brothers and men and friends and and then people that are just supporting each other. It's great. Yeah. So so you've got like you said, this isn't just for people that are in the battle themselves. Everybody who's touched by this in one way or another gets to, he has a voice, has a place, has a, has a seat at the table here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think it's just, it's incredibly important that we do this together. Like, cause the feeling of being alone when you deal with pornography is a huge, huge part of the battle. And, and so we're the, the unalone club because it kind of, we try to acknowledge like, yes, you've been feeling alone, but you can come and it doesn't have to be that way forever, you know? And so we, yeah, I've found that it's been really neat. Like some of our people that are there just to support other people, they're just kind of there to gain information and learn what they can do. 
I've seen that some of their perspectives and maybe some of a little bit of their bias has been able to go away as they've right. heard the the story of these individuals and from our speakers. Right. Yeah, that's so awesome. So so as far as I want to go back, if we can, for just a second, back to the inspiration mm-hmm. for the club. Tell me for you, I mean, you said you were in this relationship with somebody that had struggled and you were trying to figure out how to best support him and his struggle. But then all of a sudden, did you realize at that point that it was affecting you once you started doing research or did you already know you were affected by it? So I, yeah. So the longer he and I dated, it just kind of became clear that it wasn't going to work out. And so we parted Mm. ways. And then I started dating someone else. And like, this is the type of person where like, when he walked through the door, my parents were like, oh no, she's a goner. Like my whole family just met this boy and he was so amazing. They just knew. Um, <laughs> and so, and I, yeah, they were right. I was a goner. Like I met this kid and I was like, oh my gosh. And yeah. Anyways, done for. So we, you know, we started dating a couple months after I was like, hey, I'm obsessed with you. And um, <laughs> Yeah. But after a couple of weeks of dating, he kind of opened up and he's like, listen, I struggle with this too. And I was like, it just, that one threw me for a loop. I didn't react oh. well. I cried. I feel terrible actually about how I react to this day. And he and I had, we discussed it quite a lot while we were dating. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it just, it made me realize that I had been traumatized by what had happened in the previous relationship, which I hadn't really thought about before. And it made me realize that I, I had baggage surrounding pornography that I didn't know that I had. Mm. And also that I was, I was scared to move forward because, you know, when the first person told me that they struggled, I was just kind of like, Oh, I mean, you know, I used to tell lies. Like we all kind of mess up sometimes. I just, I didn't realize that it was going to be so impactful. Yeah. And then, you know, the second one, he was like, I, and he, I shared his story with permission. He said that I've struggled since I was like eight years old Mm -hmm. and and it's a huge part of my life. And I think it'll always be a huge part of my life. And it just, it was so sad to me and such a wake up call. Like there's, here's this person that everyone who meets them is just overwhelmed by their kindness and their friendliness and just their like bubbly attitude and just what what a cool person they are. And they're still thinking that they're the only one and that they struggle with pornography. And so I, right. yeah, I kind of, cause I had wanted to start the club before, but having that conversation, it made me realize like just how, if I had started this club according to what I wanted, we would, we would not have been able to help anyone. Coronavirus got in the way of me starting it right off the bat. And so I had a year where I just really didn't make any progress with it to really think and pray and kind of meditate on it and what I wanted to accomplish. And that was the most invaluable thing in the world because I kind of got some insight on what's actually going to help and who actually needs help and, you know, and the things that I had been thinking that had been wrong and that had been biased. And yeah, interesting. And so I feel like, yeah, I feel like I was able to overcome those. So that's, that's kind of our, our full backstory. And then, yeah, once I kind of sent that first email, like, hi, this is me. This is what I'm interested in. I want to start this club. Like things just, the pieces just fell into place. And it's been, it's been surprisingly, like things have gone surprisingly smoothly the whole time. Like now I have a whole team. We have a couple regulars at our club. We have new people coming all the time. And it's just been amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that, you know, like like you said, you could just sort of look at yourself honestly and say, okay, when I would have started the club originally, it would have been probably like just for a really wounded, betrayed woman, right? <laughs> or confused. Yeah. Like it yeah. would have it would have been coming from that lens of seeking support for yourself, which I have been a part of and supported and been a part of those groups. And they are absolutely necessary for women trying to mm-hmm. heal from that. But as you as you kind of thought about it and sat on it for a while, you realized that there were a lot of things that 
you wanted to correct and really understand about supporting a casting a bigger net than just people in your situation, but impacting everybody who's affected by this from all different angles. And all of that came out of that time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think it did. Because I I really feel like it was the Lord. (laughs) Because I, yeah, I had this really specific idea of what we wanted. Yeah. You know, I, I made PowerPoints and presented it to all these different people, and it just never really took off. But once I kind of finally switched that perspective, you know, I realized that our campus doesn't really, like, we have resources, but it's like, you know, it's like pornography support group run by the campus counseling and psychological services. And that's just all kinds of intimidating, you know, or there's the like wounded women's group. And I'm like, well, that's just really depressing, you know? And and so instead, I just kind of wanted to create a place where there's zero shame, no matter where you are on this journey or how you're involved. Right. And you can just come and get good information. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And so, so specifically, if you can, I mean, remember, what do you feel like you learned that changed your mind about this? What did you feel like you understood and, and what you were taught as you researched and talked to people and understood it more? What changed for you? That's a really good question. I think, hmm, I think the biggest change was just understanding, like realizing that the problem, you know, realizing where the real problem is, because a lot of the time pornography it's incredibly habit forming. It targets different parts of the brain in males and females enough to be just as habit forming for both. And the vast, vast, vast majority of people you'll meet that struggle with pornography, they use it as an emotional buffer between themselves and these negative emotions. And so when you meet someone who's, you know, 18, 23, 26, and says, yeah, I struggle with pornography, like the odds they're incredibly low that that person, you know, saw something when they were 10 or 11 on the internet and was like, oh, that's fun. You know, I'm going to pursue that. Right. You know, like instead it, it made them feel something. And then they, they kept thinking about that and thinking about that and thinking about that because it, you know, it took away those negative emotions they were trying to cope with. And, you know, and eventually like they did go back, but it's almost like it's not really on them. Like they were doing the best they could with what they had. And so like, for those listening, you know, if, you're, if your child has a problem with pornography, it's not a moral failure. It's a lack of connection to address these deep emotional needs. Right. And, you know, and that, when we look at it in that lens, it's overcomable. It's completely overcomable. You know, instead of, you know, that conversation you always have where they're like, you know, say you're, you're dating someone who struggles with pornography and, and your leader's like, this is going to affect them their whole life. Well, it doesn't have to. Right. And so I think that was the biggest thing that I learned is that there's hope. And as long as we're not shaming these people, because shame, you know, deters people from asking for help ever again, like there is hope and it's, it's completely overcomable. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's so corrosive, isn't it? The shame, it just really wears people down and, and sends them the message that there's no hope. But people, and I, you know, I, I've been guilty of this before. I mean, sometimes we, we talk about it I think, you know, for, for good intentions, because we want people to understand the seriousness of it. But, but a lot of times we talk about it like it's cancer, like, like it's untreatable, like yeah. it's terminal, like, oh, this guy or this girl, they've been looking at it or they've seen it. And, and so they're, they're pretty much done for. Let's find somebody else who's unvarnished, you know? And yeah, I just think that that's a mistake because like you said, some of the most incredibly healthy, connected people that I've ever met are the ones that have really gone through struggles with this and other stuff where they've overcome and really done that work and strengthened their interiors. And I mean, I just feel like they're new and improved. Like they're just so reinforced. It's amazing. Exactly. And I feel like the the level of emotional intelligence that it's gained because oh, pornography yeah. is a nothing, you know? And so 
we like one point that you made when you came and talked to our club that I thought was so important is just like if you're experiencing like emotions again, then you know you're making progress against a problem with pornography. Yeah. Like it's it's something that it takes away those feelings. And so for someone to sit down and say, yeah, I don't really have a ton of feelings and I've been using that to run from negative feelings. I'm going to embrace them all and reclaim that part of myself. That's a really huge part of the journey with pornography that nobody really talks about. And right. it's such an influential part because afterwards, like, yeah, someone talking to someone who has overcome a problem with pornography, they understand themselves. They understand their relationship with God, they understand these things so much more than someone who's never struggled with it because they've had to consciously work to overcome it. Right. Yeah, I love that. You're, you're exactly right. That phrase, emotional intelligence. I mean, it, they, you have to, in order to really overcome this, you have to become an expert on your own emotions and understand mm -hmm. the signals and really get a, a pretty sophisticated dashboard going on, right? So you can understand all the levels yeah. and what's coming and what's happening and and who wouldn't want to be in a relationship with somebody like that, right? Who really has done that work. Exactly. I mean, I think that that's, to me, that's just, uh, that's gold right there. And it's not, like you said, it's it's earned. It's something that people have to do and and, and work on. And, and it's not like, you know, just because somebody's looking at pornography, they're automatically that safe person. Heavens no, they have to do the work. Yeah. Absolutely. So all the ways you guys offer support, basically guest speakers, resources, a place to gather. Do you guys do meetups? I mean, what, what kind of stuff do you guys do? Yeah. So we, right now we operate two Zoom calls. We kind of, we decided to feel it out all semester. I got an email from BYUSA club. So yeah, a side note, it is done through the BYU service administration, BYUSA. Uh -huh. And yeah. so it is like our Zoom meetings are for BYU students. And that was like the most annoying thing to me in the whole wide world when we got started. So we've created our Instagram. That's a place where we, and like not this week, not a good example because finals week and I've kind of slacked, but our, our team works together to run our Instagram. So we're hosting like, we do polls all the time in our stories to help people kind of get in touch with their emotions and, and think about their experience. All the answers are always anonymous. Right. We post the content from our meetings and just so that people that, you know, don't attend BYU can get a sense of, you know, what we talk about. And because we learn these amazing tips and life hacks in our meetings. And so we, we put those on our Instagram so that people who don't make it to the meetings or have to work or aren't BYU students can still have access to that information. So that's, that's the main thing we do is those Zoom meetings and then spreading information through our Instagram we also, we started doing it recently and we're going to really kick it up during the summer. Um, me and all of my team members are going to be doing what we call resource reviews, where we'll read a book or go through an online program or listen to pretty much all of the podcasts and then we'll kind of rate it and we'll say, you know, if you struggle with this, then this will be really helpful to you. Or if you come from this background, this might not be the resource for you. And so we reviewed your book that you co-authored a while, Love You, Hate the Porn. We reviewed that one a while back and it was really neat because it like, yeah, it was just, it felt like such a, mm -hmm. such a helpful thing. We had so many people say that it was really influential to them. You know, they were like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm in that boat. So they went and were able to read the book or they were like, you know, I'm a single person without access to these resources. They talk so much about, you know, I'll read that book later. Yeah. And so that's something we do and we'll be doing a lot this summer. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. There's so many good resources out there. I know when I started working in this field almost 20 years ago, there weren't a lot of resources, just a handful yeah. of books. And, and it, you know, a lot of it was focused specifically just on 
like kind of sexual addiction, like stuff that a lot of people couldn't relate to that was really, you know, really extreme stuff. And a lot of the books on pornography recovery were like kind of almost scare tactics. Like you said, like these kind of people with just their own opinions and their own trauma stories, and they were just trying to scare everybody into behaving. And it just wasn't helpful because like you said, there's so many people that are, that are just trying to figure out their emotions and they get sucked into this and it's really tough to get out of it. And it's, it's so nice that there are just so many different resources now that can speak to different types of people. There are. And I didn't realize that when I got started, mm-hmm. like I, I really thought that like, you know, that was all in the gold line is podcasts. There are so many helpful podcasts. I didn't even know. It's been amazing. Yeah. And books. But yeah, like I, yeah, when I first found myself in a situation where pornography was really influencing someone I really cared a lot about, like Google had nothing for me. You know, there were all these courses that you could pay to take and all these things. I was like, I'm just a girlfriend in an awkward situation. I know I'm a college student. <laughs> I don't have the money for this. Yeah. You know, and and so much of it is like, oh, yeah, like sexual addiction. And it's like, no, no, no. You know, he's he's 20. He barely like this is like you really have to stretch to qualify this as an addiction in most cases, yeah. at least for our club members. And it's not. Yeah. For the most part, it it rarely is like a sexual disorder in the age group that we talk to. And so, yeah, I just, it's been really neat to find that there actually are, there's free resources everywhere, but they kind of lurk in the shadows of the internet and they're really hard to find. So that's like been one of our main purposes is to bring those to light and give our students access to that so that they can then learn from those and then share those resources with people that they know. Yeah. And so even if somebody's not a BYU student, they can follow your Instagram and get reviews and get access to a lot of these resources, correct? Yeah, they can. Yeah, that's awesome. So doing this work, I mean, you, you've you pulled together a lot of people, I mean, and you've really you know started something out of nothing. I think it's just fantastic. What kind of a response have you had? I mean, tell me kind of how this uh, thing has grown. So, yeah. So it's been like, for example, I went on a date. I don't normally do that. So it was like, was, you know, anyways. I went on this date and this guy, he asked me a question. He was like, what do you like to talk about? Like, what a question. Do you have to know and I was like, well, porn. Lately. Yeah. And he was like, excuse me, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah. And so I found that the reaction we normally get is, and it, it's really funny. You get one of two responses. You know, someone will either be like, oh my goodness, that is so needed. Like, that's going to be so important and so helpful, you know. And then they'll ask for our, our information to share with their friends. Or they'll kind of look at me like I'm totally insane and be like, at BYU? And I'm like, are you kidding? We are the king of like people feeling alone who struggle with pornography. You know, like we have our our school is, we are the target audience for producers of pornography. And like, yeah, so the faculty was, they were incredibly helpful, but they really thought that I was crazy. It was kind of funny, honestly. And I told, you know, the therapist that I was talking to at the time and she thought I had lost my mind. She thought I was trying to do like like a therapy support group. And I was like, I do oh. not have the qualifications. I just facilitate the Zoom calls. Like I just kind of welcome people and make them laugh. But yeah, most adults thought I was insane. Most kids my age, however, were really on board. And I've realized it's because the more and more we connect with our peers, that's where we get like the good and healthy reinforcement. Because they're the ones that understand, you know, like talking to totally. my parents about things like this. You know, when my dad was in high school, you had to go and buy a magazine or find one at a friend's house or stay up really, really late to watch MTV or something. Like, 
it's they're supportive and they want to help and they're doing their best. But like, you really need to talk to peers to understand because it's your peers that are going to be going through the same thing. So that was, that was kind of the reaction. And it like, it really gave me a lot more fire to do this and do this right because I like proving people wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things where it sounds like the more people hear about it, the more they understand about it. It's like there's yeah, room, it really is. there's room for everyone. So it's like, come join us. Like, come be a part of it. Just come listen. Because chances are mm-hmm. you, either you or someone you love is dealing with this to some degree. And so we all need to be yeah, educated. Someone who was so impressive to me was someone who was like, yeah, I don't support anyone that struggled with pornography. You know, I've never struggled with pornography. And she's like, but I'm probably going to have sons one day. And so she was actually a really helpful resource in helping me to find a podcast that's been really influential. We're going to invite them to speak next semester at our one of our meetings. But, you know, she just was someone that has an open mind and wanted to be helpful because she knew yeah. the world that we live in and the world that her kids will grow up in and the world that, you know, her friends are in. And I just, yeah, people like that are also really incredible. Yeah, that's fantastic. How do you think being involved in this has changed you personally? Ooh, I think, ooh, well, <laughs> I've had to kiss my dreams of a career in ancient Roman history goodbye because like, <laughs> man, <laughs> this is the best. Like it's, it's been the single most gratifying thing I've ever done in my life. And, and I think as well, like, I mean, even opening our first meeting, I think I still had biases and, you know, and just preconceived notions in my head. And then just kind of realizing like, yeah, like, the unalone club like that that name came to me that was like sheer revelation right there but just realizing like how true it really is because you know people that you would never imagine struggle with this and mm-hmm. it's sure. you know it's school teachers and it's it's wonderful wonderful people like it's not we don't have anyone who logs onto our meetings and is just like a creeper you know and so when i hear people talking about like i have been very outspoken <laughs> on several occasions because I hear people talking about people that struggle with pornography like they're, you know, perverted or like they're creepy. And that's absolutely so untrue. And like, I know I reject that with my whole heart. And like, I think that's been the biggest takeaway that I've had. The biggest change that I've had as a person is like realizing we all have these different struggles and issues with pornography can stem from a plethora of internal struggles. And, you know, none of them make you a worse person than any of the others. Right. So I think that's been my biggest, my biggest paradigm shift. I'm like currently looking for ways to stay involved with this for the rest of my life. But like, yeah, it's just been really amazing to just see the people like the people that come to our club are some of the most incredible people I've met in my life. And that's just how it is. Like, that's just the audience when you're working with people that see they struggle with pornography, that recognize that it's a problem in their life and they are working to get over it. Like, like those aren't going to be lame people. Like those are some of the most amazing people you've ever met. Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective. And what a surprise for you, wasn't it? I mean, just to, to all of a sudden realize (laughs) that, yeah, that, that, that this problem really doesn't define people who they are, but it does give them the opportunity to really, like you said, to dig deep, learn more about themselves, to form deeper connections. I mean, it's really, I think the struggle in a lot of these cases, the struggle makes them just so much more dynamic and deep and just carves out a lot that maybe wouldn't have been there had they not had the struggle. It's the truth. Like just with someone that I support right now, who's going through it, like just the change that I've seen in that person mm-hmm. over the last say eight months since they were like, okay, I'm going to kick this once and for all. It's like, it's been incredible. You know, like I've never seen like 
people people go out as missionaries and come back and they're changed, sure, but like the biggest changes, the truest, the most internal changes I've ever seen have been from this person that I'm like I'm supporting right now as they overcome pornography. It's been so amazing. Yeah, I love it. So what's next for this club? I mean, you're a senior, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're not going to be around forever. So I'm just curious, where is this going to go? Yeah, so I, so that's a stupendous question. Essentially, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Got an email from BYUSA and they're like, you can start meeting in person. And I was like, no, thanks. And they were like, we really would encourage you to meet. And I was like, no, thanks. And, um, <laughs> so we're going to stay on Zoom. We're going to stay anonymous. We had one in-person thing this semester. It was at the Museum of Art at BYU. There was a focus group, like using art as a tool for healing and connection. And so I just like, I let my members know in a meeting, I was like, hey guys, like this is an option. It's not going to be anonymous. Like it's going to be yeah. a bigger like risk for you guys to be there. But if you want to come, it's going to be a great resource. And like we had so many people show up and I like walked in and I felt like a little puppy dog. I was like, oh my God. I was like starstruck by these people. And I like, yeah, I was like, I'm literally in love with every single one of you. Let's take a picture. We won't do anything with it for emotional safety reasons, of course. But like, yeah, like a group hug. It was the best thing ever. So we, yeah, we kind of just gauged the like the temperature of the participants through polls on our Instagram and then through just talking about it in our meetings. So we're thinking we'll probably do one sort of in-person thing at the end of each semester. Until then, we'll just meet over Zoom. I have, you know, our team is younger students. I have about a year left of school, so I'll be able to stay involved for that long. But yeah, I really just want to create something that's going to outlive me and create, you know, not just a club, but an entire campus that's open about pornography and its effect and is going to help people without shaming them and without making them feel like less. When you started this club, you didn't like start out with a core group of people where you said like, let's all get together and start this club, right? You just started it, right? You just put it out there and just hope people yeah. show up, right? Yeah, it was me and one of our religion professors because <laughs> you have to have a faculty advisor. And I had been recommended to him in the past. So when I first started the club, he was, you know, he was incredibly helpful. But then after Corona, when I was like, okay, here's what we're really going to do. Yeah, it was just me and Professor Griffiths. <laughs> Right. And and our Instagram and I messaged people. If I saw that they attended BYU and had over a thousand followers, I was like, great. A hundred of them probably struggle with pornography and more of them probably, to be honest, like research shows it's like 90% of guys and like 50% of girls on average have at some point in their life had like an extended engagement with pornography. And so yeah, I just reached out and I was like, hey, would you promote this? And, you know, some of them said, I'm uncomfortable promoting this because I struggle with this when our meetings. And I was like, great, see you then. And like, awesome. yeah, so we, our first meeting, we had 25 people there and like, and only, and very, very few of them were my own personal friends. And it was really incredible to just see that people were, you know, in tune enough with their own journey to be like, all right, this is going to be a good, a good resource for me. And we've had just so many students like message me and be like, wow, like this is amazing. I'm so glad you did this. And I'm like, honestly, guys, it's all God. Like if I had done this my way, it would have been completely unhelpful and no one would have come. But (laughs) yeah, we have a group of regulars now. We have a whole team working to make our content and find guests and review resources. And it's, it's been really incredible. But yeah, (laughs) the first couple of weeks of me trying to make this happen were 
a little nerve wracking. Well, yeah, and th- this is this is really a big part of why I wanted to talk with you here on this podcast is because I, you know, obviously my audience is is much bigger than just Provo, Utah, but I yeah. want people listening to recognize, you know, here's here's one woman who had a personal, you know, experience that surprised her with pornography with with a boyfriend and trying to figure mm-hmm. out how in the world to heal and get resources and you just kind of started down this rabbit hole and all of a sudden you know you're you're just you felt inspired to create a club where people could gather and receive support validation education community and anyone can do this right like this is it's not like you have some magical oh, yeah. superpower i mean you just cared and you just moved forward and just started something and and like one thing led to another and here we are pretty much i mean i think I mean, Instagram is a superpower, like totally the ability to share information with that many people has been so helpful. I just remember like my parents and I, my parents came to Utah to see my brother and I, and we went like snowmobiling or something. And like, imagine a bunch of like Southern people on snowmobile <laughs> in a blinding snowstorm in the mountains. Anyways, like the club was the farthest thing from my mind, but I got in the car and I saw that we had jumped from like 20 followers to like. 60 in a couple of hours and it blew my mind i i have a series of screenshots on my phone i was like i can't believe we have 50 followers i was like i can't believe we have 70 i can't believe we have 90 you know and now we have ah, we're sitting pretty like 180 or something like that i think fantastic um probably because we've been less aggressively circulating but um yeah it's just like i mean you have the tools you need to create change like really though you know i mean if you like, if you have a hundred followers on Instagram, like that's a hundred people that are reading what you write. And like, that's a hundred people whose mind you can change. Yeah. And, and just facilitating conversations, like the way we talk about something is like, it creates like this environment, like it's almost like this cloud around us where people either feel safe with us or don't. And so just really making sure that when I talked about pornography, it was in terms that were not shaming you know, no matter who it was, because who knows if that person that I was talking to struggled with it or not. And in so many cases, they do and they will. And if you can just create a space where they don't feel judged right off the bat, and they understand that you kind of know, like, just the complexity of that issue, like, it's so incredibly influential. And yeah, like, literally anyone can do this. Like, anyone can cause change. It's like, okay, to say it's not hard is a lie. It's not that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it takes time and it it takes, you know, it it's not, like I said, the, the, like you said, the initial sort of, and I run into this all the time, you know, I, I helped start a conference down here in St. George years ago, community conference where we would have speakers come and community members. And, you know, we'd have, you know, we'd have 500 to a thousand people show up at this conference to receive education on how to heal from pornography, how to, how to protect kids, things like that. But That's it was funny. So cool. Yeah. So everybody that was there at the conference often, not everybody, but a lot of people would come to the conference and they would say things like, they almost felt like they had to explain why they were there. And I, and I just, (laughs) I just wanted to somehow remove that shame of, you know, you have to have a reason that's not you that you're there. And I just feel like saying, no, like we're all here because we all are affected by this and we all love somebody who is, and it doesn't even honestly matter why you're here. We're just glad you're here. And I love that that's Uh kind of the spirit of the unalone club. It's just like, you don't need to have a reason, just come and just enjoy the connection, the education, the support. Yeah, I, I had a funny experience I can share real quick. I walked into the BYU bookstore because I was looking for resources to review. And I walked up to the counter and I said, hey, I need everything you have on porn. And the girl like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the funniest <laughs> thing. Um, she did not know how to react. And I sat there and 
I was like, oh, you know, I'm the president of this club, whatever. And like, I left, I was disgusted with myself. I was like, I just gave in like Mm -hmm. to this shame culture. I just gave in. And so, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to go get more books from more, you know, church related bookstores and more little psychology shops online. And I'm just going to walk up to the counter and say, I need everything you've got in porn. And I'm not going to tell him why. <laughs> exactly. We don't need to explain it to anybody. Nobody. Yeah. We don't need to feel ashamed that we want to learn about this, understand it. And like you said, everybody has the opportunity to create a platform on social media or in their own circles of influence and educate and talk and really check their own tone and really be part of the solution, really offer support and hope. Oh, yeah. And like I said, this is, this is what's so inspiring about what you've done here. I mean, you have, like you said, you have no, you have no credentials other than your own desire to help and your own personal experiences and a desire to sort of open your arms nice and wide and just bring in anybody who wants to feel included. And that's really the antidote mm-hmm. to this to this issue, right? It's not it's not really more than just learning how to deal with connection and emotions and things like that. And I think you're doing a fabulous job. Thank you. Yeah. I think like, yeah, the biggest thing is just like really you kind of said like checking your tone. Like if I I find that when I'm flippant about this, like, mm-hmm. you know, people are always listening. And, That's right. Yeah. And so, like, the words that we say have so much power because, yeah, this is an invisible problem. Like, we don't know when someone's struggling with this because it's so, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the Internet will tell you there are signs. That, that's whatever. But, like, it's an invisible problem. Like, people can struggle with this for years and you can be close friends with them and never know. Mm-hmm. And so that's not what you want, you know, to have ever made a comment like, oh, yeah, like he was looking at porn. Like, you just know, you know, like if we're always being caring in the way that we address sensitive issues like this, like, yeah, it's going to facilitate those conversations where someone can come and be vulnerable and say like, hey, I do struggle with this. And you can, you know, you can really share that moment and and be helpful for them. and not contribute to this weight of shame and struggle that they're already carrying from years and years of, of our community and our culture, not quite doing this right. Exactly. Emmy, this is awesome. I'm so glad that (laughs) you reached out to me and invited me to be on your, on your zoom call. And of course, thank you so much. Yeah. Thrilled that you're here as well. So I'll put links in the show notes to where people can find uh, your Instagram and of course, if there's yes. any, any BYU students that are listening or family that have a BYU student, come check it out, right? Yeah, we're our Instagram is at un.alone.byu and Jeff will put a link and we would be honored, excited and humbled to see you there. Awesome, Emmy. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Once again, if you want to connect with Emmy and her club at BYU, you can follow them on Instagram at un.alone.byu. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can find it easily. And thanks, Emmy. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. It was so great talking to you. And I just am so impressed with the great work that you're doing. So keep it up. And hopefully more people will find you there on campus and on Instagram so that you can continue to be a resource and a support to those who are needing connection, which really is all of us. So I sure appreciate you. Once again, thank you listeners for being a part of this podcast. It means the world to me to get your feedback, reviews, support, your questions. And of course, you can always check out my website for more resources. You can go to fromcrisistoconnection.com and there's some free resources on there and some courses and other resources that will hopefully support you in your recovery efforts. 
Thanks again. I look forward to connecting with all of you again in the next episode.